This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. At KPMG, our people make the difference. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG. Make the difference. Hello and welcome to John Richardson, The Future Not, Series 73, Episode Toast. Um, <laughs> what is it? Series 4, Episode 4, I'm going to guess? Yeah. It feels about yeah, all right. The, all, the all the fours. fours. There we go. It's the sickness special featuring <laughs> not. I mean, we don't want to arouse the listener too early, but from his bed, uh, Mark <laughs> Stevenson. <laughs> just going to sniff. Just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and recently returned from a hospital, Ed Gillespie. Oh I yes, mean, it's, a, it's a delight to be here. What a world we live in. And yet we st- look at us though. Our commitment to the future notes knows knows no limits. We absolutely. Are still at it despite absolutely zero public clamor <laughs> well, no, no, we, we did get a tweet of someone saying come on you know you're only three episodes in where's episode four it was due so i rather tartly replied i said i'm really sorry but my daughter's been in hospital all week yeah so we've, we've had to miss yeah. a recording yeah you, you know, dick yeah. <laughs> you i think, think that's his name, an ultimate I, slam isn't it that one there's no coming back from that no, I think his name is Richard as well. So that. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Richard, to be fair, Richard, he is a, he is a massive fan, and he's very keen, and he's very keen that we get the episodes out. So you know, you know, I don't think it should slag off our one consistent listener so early now, on. Now let's show. get rid. We can stop when we've got none. I mean, you obviously you spend the first three series trying to build your listenership to as large as it can be, and yeah. then from then on you whittle it back down to zero, so you can stop. I mean, this can't go on forever, can it? Is that what you're doing with Mick Richardson's? The first three series were quite good. Should I not watch the four? <laughs> no. no, especially not when you're ill. I don't want to be. Uh, It'd be like the opposite of, um, was it the the, the goodies that uh, somebody had a heart attack from laughter? It'd be like the opposite of that. I'll just put you into a coma. It's a difficult second album and the impossible fourth series. Yeah, absolutely. Series five coming next year. So uh, where shall we begin? Let's begin with you, Mark. How are you? Yes. How are you? What's wrong with you? Oh, just, you know, the usual you know, whatever it is that's going around. Well, my, my children have been sick. My wife's been sick. I went on tour and therefore with the band and managed to avoid it, but I've come back and, and succumbed. So oh, you. of course. Picking up. Do, yeah. do, you know, do you take your own microphone with you on tour? It did. You have to now because of COVID, yeah. 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 You didn't yeah. bring back some sort of prog fan contagion and infected you think that's our what family. It is? Yeah. That I've infected. Yeah, we've all, we've all got atomic rooster uh, or, uh, or something. <laughs> Is that the Latin name? So what's what are the symptoms of a sort of prog illness? It's going to go on longer than you want it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody can quite diagnose what it is. No. Uh, <laughs> depressingly uninfectious. You keep trying yeah. to get other people to get it, but they just don't want it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it only affects old white men. And the symptoms are generally standing around and nodding your head out of time. 
yeah. to whatever is going on around you. <laughs> <laughs> that is the type of plague we really need. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was created in the lab. Well, it's very prog that. <laughs> you have a uh, you have a tale to tell, I believe, Ed, of your of your last seven days. Oh yeah. So my poor wee daughter um, fell ill on Friday night. Um, was running a roaring temperature of like you know thirty nine plus degrees. So I was very worried. I tucked her into bed and I went downstairs and I sat in the chair and I, I checked the news and then of course I saw the strep A story and I was like, oh god. Um, went back upstairs, you know took her temperature again thought mm, this is not good was had my sort of iphone out and was looking underneath her duvet for rashes on her body and she sort of go get off me daddy <laughs> i'm trying to get to sleep uh, and then i thought right i'm gonna just gonna take her into a and e so i had like four hours in a and e on friday night and then she started vomiting and we came home for the weekend and she was sort of okay but then was complaining of like serious stomach cramps on Sunday. So we ended up back in A&E again on Sunday. And then she had a, like a really like punishingly horrible viral gastroenteritis for about four days. So yeah, I've spent the whole week um, in hospital, but I mean, she's okay now. Uh, she sort of bounced back and she's eating again, although she's a little bit feek and weeble, but mm. uh, it's just extraordinary. You know, I, I guess we all, we all know this, the kind of pressures the NHS is under at, at the best of times, let alone, you know, when the weather turns cold and things like that strep A problem emerge. And then of course, everyone rushes to hospital because they're all justifiably concerned, but it's just, it's, it's transcendent. You know, the care and compassion you get from people who are, you know, overworked, underpaid, largely underappreciated. And, you know, and you see all of humanity in an NHS hospital. I mean, let's face yeah. it, it's like it's us and our all our diverse glories and flaws. Um, and, yeah, I just think my reflection on it having come out was a sort of massive gratitude um, for all the kind of tender, loving care. But so the biggest gift we can give to the NHS is to, bloody look after ourselves better mm. you know i mean you know, use those services for when they're really needed but you know the fitter and healthier we keep ourselves the better it is for everyone you've stumbled upon what i guess is since this series is more instantly topical the big talking point of the moment uh, a, a health scare going around kids that mm. is leading to um, mass diagnosis of antibiotics as a precaution which is something we've been sort of warned against previously and overwhelmed uh, uh, hospitals uh, uh, you don't you don't diagnose antibiotics you what prescribe did I say? Them. Prescri yeah, you, prescription you mass diagnosis of antibiotics which should be like oh you've got antibiotics which would be a weird diagnosis hey, sickness doesn't affect what, his pedantry does I, it yeah, i'll tell you what that is <laughs> that's impressive you never lose your touch do you <laughs> That's like an old sort of footballer on the touchline begging for the ball to come down. Um, <laughs> I, I was single for a very long time. <laughs> hey, hey, you might be again. Let's not be so pessimistic. Um, and, and the hospital's overwhelmed by, as you say, people in beds who are unable to be discharged because hospitals have become sort of care uh, in the community as well because we don't have the care system and people coming in there yeah. who perhaps could have been best dealt with previously had conditions not worsened by a sort of better care system outside of the hospital so when people can't get a gp appointment so they just go to a e you know yes you know, so that you know they the first line of the system um is overwhelmed and so people take up to the second line and it says as you, as you say john i mean you know there's there's mental health 
cases, you know, people who are in really disturbed states of mind. I mean, you know, I've just I've been on the children's ward and it was quite disturbing. And and yet you see this sort of incredible stoicism from the staff who are trying to do their best and fulfill the best intentions of the honour of their service. And it's like it's gobsmacking. It's it's truly humbling. But I mean, you know, what we're looking at here is a systemic issue, isn't it? That basically the country is unhealthy to an extraordinary degree. And then when you add on to that sort of a genuine health scare like COVID or whatever, you've got a massively overwhelmed system because we prioritise the wrong things. We prioritise the, the wealth of the few against the health of the many. And it's fucking disgraceful and I'm fed up with it. Yes. Well, what I'm loath to do is ask the same, because every week I say, what questions would you like to ask Mark and Ed? And every week it's the same sort of combination of how do you cope at the moment? And, it, you know, it was question time last night. And and you hear the, the very specific tales of people on trolleys for 15 hours. And then this sort of baffling moment where it sort of pivots into a conversation about, well, where does the money come from? And mm. As if that's any sort of end to the debate that, you know, there are no other sources of money and therefore that means we can't pay people properly to work in our NHS. And also the the whole fucking thing is is just ridiculous. It's like, where's the money coming from? Well, I'll tell you where the money goes to. It goes to places that it's not needed. Whereas if you looked at the, you know, the, the country and the planet from outer space, you go, why are you spending money or giving money and resources over there when all these people are suffering over here? You know, why are you spending 14 billion on diabetes care when you should be spending 14 billion on uh, making sure people don't get in the first place with proper sports facilities and social cohesion. Why do you think so short term? So when you say, where's the money going to come from? Basically, that's the rich people going, well, don't take it from me. Fuck you. If you hadn't had it in the first place, you wouldn't be in this state if we actually had a proper debate about us all living in a prosperous, healthy economy rather than assuming that the only way you get a prosperous, healthy economy is that some rich people get fucking richer and then somehow it trickles down to us. I'm absolutely livid about it. Fuck them. Mm. Yeah, well, we could, we could probably ask Baroness Moan to lend us like 29 yeah. million quid or something like that. You know, that's that money's just been resting in her account in a sort of Father Ted style. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we could redeploy it. Oh, but as you know, you've, that's the only positive thing I've heard anyone say about this is the idea that if she can generate an iconic sitcom at some point in the next three years, then at least some good will come of all this. <laughs> if she ends up on an island with an alcoholic, then... And I'm, yeah. I'm willing to volunteer. Well, yeah. just no, it reminded me, Boris, because you know, remember, um, do you remember that prime minister we had? What was his name? Boris, Boris Johnson, something like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it was this time last year that he was saying, you know, Britain is not remotely a corrupt country. He's like, mm. yes, it is. It blatantly is. Well, I mean, the thing is, the whole system is corrupt, and it's not necessarily because people are corrupt, but because you've got these archaic systems that just don't work anymore. And if you concentrate too much power in too few hands, you get inefficiency at best and corruption at worst. And that is whether you're in a left-wing-leaning uh, country or a right-wing-leaning country, concentration of too much power in too few hands, particularly the hands of people who all look the same, you get a fucking shit show. And it's about time we embrace some fucking diversity and some proper systemic constitutional change to run the country as if it was the 21st century and not the fucking 19th. Bravo. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult if you've, because obviously I think we are probably the exception. Oh, no, that's not fair. We have a lot of listeners who have listened, not just once, a lot of them, but many times to uh, certain episodes of this podcast. But we have been in every one. And it's very hard not to see the answers <laughs> You know, you've said from from the beginning that all issues are linked and all issues are systemic, and you, you couldn't get a more clear indicator now of a time 
you just every every answer to every problem we face has at some point been mentioned by somebody in one episode of our podcast and and to mm. have conversations mm. about how we fund the NHS and then say well we've got to get the economy growing and I was instantly watching question time last night screaming Kate Rayworth's name at the screen mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. you know this idea that the, the great panacea is just economies that all grow infinitely and nobody questions whether that is possible but there have been whilst I think there's been a great deal of problem this week at least clear problem what I don't like is vague badness that nobody knows how to fight it's nice now that we you can see the problems and there's numbers on them so we know for a fact how many penises do you need to eat to be forgiven absolutely any level of cronyism incompetence two kangaroo penises that's fine we know the answer (laughs) how far do england need to get in a tournament so that you don't have to worry about human rights anymore quarterfinals that's a fact that's an answer (laughs) how many coal mines does it take to completely undermine what was probably a plastic net zero promise anyway one coal mine these are facts these are numbers we can quote those i hate to channel mark's pedantry but i think it was actually kangaroo anus and camel penis was it do you know i thought i wonder if i'll get away with saying that and i thought these two won't know the difference between a penis and an anus as long as it's been run through a dishwasher they're fine Um, (laughs) but there has been uh, some positivity, what you were saying there, Mark, about focusing power a- a- away from the-, the systems that we use at the moment. Labour made a policy pledge this week about more power spread to the regions, and that's mm. something we've discussed. Do you take any solace from that? I do take some solace from that. And, you know, I mean, I hate the two-party system, and uh, I think it's ridiculous. I think short of a miracle, we're definitely going to have a Labour government because, you know, even you know the Tory friends of mine, you know who I would consider like one nation decent Tories, they're just like done with this party. They just see the incompetence, and many of them had people die because of the mismanagement of COVID, and then seeing Matt Hancock go on TV, it's just they're just absolutely furious. So so even if they don't vote Labour, they'll probably abstain or vote Liberal Democrat. So so we're almost certainly going to have a Labour government. I think Labour knows that, and I think for the first time, long time, they're thinking right well, let's try and do something a bit more radical. And I think this constitutional reform is something they, they will be able to do because they'll have you know that, that majority. And I think that's that's impressive and I'm, I'm pleased about that and it does give me some hope. I still think the two-party system is fucking ridiculous, but I think maybe they're doing something to perhaps address that. So yes, I, I, am, I am pleased about that. And also, you know, some of the, the people I work with and the team I work with are in discussions with the Labour front bench about some other quite sensible yet radical um, changes to taxation and the way we think about about governing which i think we need i think if a government comes in and doesn't do that there's gonna we're gonna end up with riots in the streets at this rate mm. because it's just yes it's, ju- it's just broken down mm. ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really enjoying the idea of a full podcast where whatever question I ask you, at some point you say, but it's all wrong and I'm fucking sick of it. I, I wonder if there's a question I can ask you where at some point that doesn't come out. You could ask, you could ask me about my tour. You haven't asked me about the Quantum Pig tour, which was the big thing in my Oh, life. well, I've read the review and that's one of the quotes from the review, isn't it? What? It's all wrong and I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Let's, before I come to Ed on more uh, systemic failure and the collapse of society as we know it, let, let's talk about, because obviously since we spoke last, you have been out on the road with the band. How was it? It was absolutely fucking amazing. It was one of the best things I've ever done in my life and I need to do a lot more of it. And I realised it was really great being a support band because you slot into this amazingly professional touring thing. So you've got an amazing sound man, they've got an amazing lighting guy, you've got a whole thing, you've got an audience you know, provided for you. And, and if you do well in front of that audience, you pick up a whole bunch of fans and we, they just loved us. And we ended up at the Islington Town Hall playing to about... 850, 900 people, my favourite venue in London, went down an absolute storm and I came off stage just feeling like just completely cured of all sadness. It was just an extraordinary moment. And, and as a result of that, we've been asked to go out, back out again on a European tour, which is fantastic. Amazing. So, yeah. Amazing. Don't you, don't you feel like that after every episode of this? No. <laughs> <laughs> you will after our European tour. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love to, love to go out live with the future yeah. notes. It'll just be us in a hotel room in Stockholm mm. on laptops. But, you know, <laughs> at least we can say we're in Europe. Well, it'd be like that that lovely author who tweeted this week. Did you see that story? Uh, no. You know, she tweeted that like something like, I, I just had my book launch and two people came and I'm feeling a bit flat. And then basically every famous author in the world chipped in with the stories of their own like miserable book launches. Um, yeah. To basically cheer up and say, hey, we've all been there, you know, keep at mm-hmm. it. But it was mm. really beautiful because, yeah, well, we've joked about it on this show, but we've all we've all played to very, very small crowds uh, and tiny audiences and so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great leveler it's a humbler but then and in, indeed this week I was meant to be doing a future North show with you know <laughs> yeah. Ed Gillespie and he didn't turn up because his daughter was in hospital so I had half of the the act as well so I had to do it all by myself and that was very lonely without you oh that's very sweet of you to say so yeah it was better without you obviously but it was that <laughs> <laughs> so careful yes the second time you said that in two weeks <laughs> careful what you wish for come on i'm an environmentalist i can recycle my jokes <laughs> oh you're nicking my recycled jokes yeah i'm recycling your jokes that's a proper circular economy of comedy <laughs> there you go there you go so we've had some emails in from listeners oh um, have we oh how yeah. tedious of course we're <laughs> <laughs> You've become like an evil villain. I like it. Um, so Charlie says, I enjoyed hearing the mention of Eastbourne's tagline, breathe it in on the last show. Even more brilliantly, I believe this was adopted not, not long after it was revealed that Eastbourne has some of the worst air pollution in the country. There are lots of comedians in Eastbourne and at least one of them appears to work in destination marketing. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work, Charlie. Don't get me started on destination marketing. I did. I did a whole gig for like the European conference on destination marketing, where they asked me to like share the insights of comedy into destination marketing. Now, obviously, in Eastbourne, that is clearly either accidental or highly satirical. Um, but yeah, I dug up some brilliant ones for for my talk. Guess how Vilnius in Lithuania markets itself? Oh, I'm trying to think of a pun on Vilnius, but I bet they don't pronounce it Vilnius, do they? No, the G-spot of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows where it is, but when you find it, it's amazing. 
Uh, <laughs> I like that. I, that was literally their destination marketing campaign. Although, you know, worse was, you know, that Liam Neeson film, um, yes. Taken. Taken. Taken, yeah. yeah, where his daughter is kidnapped by Albanian kidnappers. Yeah. Uh, Albania had a campaign which is called be taken by Albania. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the strap line was, are you ready to be taken? Now, of all of the associations as a kind of destination management team, do you think like playing to some crude national stereotype of your country being criminal kidnappers is a good idea? Well, I tell you what, you've opened up a can of worm there. So hello at johnandthefuturenauts.com. If you are from or have visited a place with a worse marketing strap line than those, then uh, do get in touch. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kazakhstan actually recruited Borat, you know, and actually had Kazakhstan. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's obviously playing to the overt humor and like, okay, we might as well embrace this. Yeah, there's all sorts of ones. There was another one that was targeted at black American tourists, which was just called Go Back to Africa. Um, no. you, you know, and, and uh, my favorite one was Amsterdam, though, actually, where they were trying to control bad behavior in the streets of Amsterdam. And basically, they had a campaign which said, you know, if you sing in a bar, it's free. If you sing in the street, it costs you 140 euro fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think destination marketing, there's some gold out there. This sounds like a game that should be on, on I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Which is, it you know, does, like, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what should be the destination marketing for, you know, said town like Swindon? Well, John Richardson used to live there. Yeah, used to live there. He's moved out, so it's free. It's safe to come back. <laughs> Even John Richardson <laughs> fucked off from Swindon. Well, well, Norwich, you know, my my hometown, it's strapline for decades, ever since I was a kid, had just been, welcome to Norwich, a fine city. Uh, I, when I gave my talk in Norwich of the week, I said, well, we all know what fine as an acronym stands for, don't we? It's like fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Um, that's Norwich. Was that the WI? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was the Norwich Net Zero lot. Yeah, you know, in Hastings, they've got an, uh, an acronym which is for all the people that are moving down from London, and they call them filth. It's a failed in London. Try Hastings. <laughs> <laughs> so not far down the coast from Brighton comes our next email from Adam, who says, uh, thank you for the podcast. It's useful in helping me convince my friends to be less shit. <laughs> that could be the strap line for this show. Try and convince your friends and family to be less shit. (laughs) Talk to me then about a world where a good guy is sat watching Question Time and sees a conservative minister tell the world that their new coal mine is climate neutral. Yeah, Death Star Economics. Total Death Star Economics. You know how it is climate neutral, how they're managing to wriggle through the legals on this? It's to say that it'll be shut down by 2049, so therefore mm. won't be a problem for the UK meeting its net zero target, which is a legal obligation by 2050. So it's like, it's all fine, we'll just shut it down the year before. And, and you know, and it, it is, like it's Darth Vader saying, you know, the creation of our new Death Star is an amazing job creation opportunity. I have a nuance on this. And you know, which is, and this is a problem with quite a lot of climate conversations. We have to go on a transition. And at the moment, the way that we make quite a lot of steel requires this kind of coking coal, and that's because the system works that way. So we should be replacing steel with other materials as well. At the moment in the UK, we're actually importing that coking coal. So not only is it we're using it, but we're also paying the carbon emissions to bring it here. So there is an argument to say, well, as we bring that down, why don't we make it less carbon intensive and provide some jobs? And I can see that argument, but 
fundamentally as a, as a social signal, it kind of undermines the whole idea of actually, can we rethink the system? So, you know, it's a difficult decision to make. Do we carry on importing this coke and coal, which is highly carbon intensive, or do we make it here, which will make it less carbon intensive and provide some jobs and arguably be part of the transition? There is no right answer to this one, I'm afraid. Is it not the case that the UK steel industry doesn't want the coal for coking because it doesn't it's not what they need i think the general point to, to make is like philosophically it just it, we find ourselves in this system where you can go is that a decision that's ridiculous how does that even work and then you dig into it and kind of go well mm, then nothing's right about this and so you know all of us stuck with the devil it's different levels of a spoon uh, what i certainly understand from dealing with quite a lot of the the government is they're looking for excuses to not really deal with climate properly sometimes and there's certain ministers who really don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. I shall mention no names. I was speaking with someone this week who listens to the podcast who said their favourite episode was the Client Earth uh, special mm. with James Thornton and, and was asking, basically just for a sort of follow-up, just saying is there any hope that we could get even maybe a voice note from James or, or someone at Client Earth to find out what, what they're up to and uh, what they've done in recent uh, months since they were on? Well, I am an ambassador for Client Earth, and I, I, I am sitting down with Brian Eno on Tuesday to talk about all sorts of things, um, Client Earth and climate related. Oh, well, perhaps next week we'll talk about that then. And what I hope this is, this is obvious because my first thought when they announced that they'd given permission for this was that, you know, Client Earth would just sort it out. But this is a mine and not a power station. Does that mean the sort of the thing they used in Poland as a sort of this is not sound financial planning for the investors? Is that less valid? No, but they they would probably focus on whether it is enables legal compliance with the UK's net zero strategy because that's where the kind of the judicial leverage is, uh, and that's where other things can be challenged. You know, that, that's what Client Earth does is like saying this is what you've set in train in terms of the law, and this is how you're effectively breaking that law. You know, so yeah. so Client Earth, you know, successfully proved that the UK's net zero strategy was unlawful because it wouldn't deliver the savings on the timescales required, and the government didn't appeal that. They basically sort of shrugged their shoulders and went, yeah. We know. Yeah, which is good because now they have to legally come back with a decent net zero strategy. Yeah. Well, that will affect all of us because that will affect every business on the on in the country, which is which is good. But it's going to be this transition is not going to be easy. It's going to be traumatic for lots of people. Do you want to talk more about carbon capture, or do you want to talk about my hair, or do you want to talk about something else? Your hair. Your hair. Uh, okay, we've had a question in from um... y- your barber. <laughs> no, sadly not. He, he knows the truth. Um, I was there yesterday. Sadly, it's just when he glosses over a whole area. It's, just, it's, it's sort of like being asked to do someone's garden, but half of it's paved. Yeah. Oh, I don't need to don't need to cut this bit anymore, John. Yeah. You, you probably don't need a lawnmower anymore. I think a pair of scissors will probably do. <laughs> It is Dan who says, how long before John is completely bald? <laughs> was this going to have a sweepstake? Yeah. Well, well, he's asked some serious questions about human rights and political correctness. His first question is, how important can we allow social media to be? We've already seen what's happened recently with Elon buying the most expensive toy in the world and the impact it has on millions of people's lives and jobs. Is this something we will have to police more heavily in the future? Well, there is an online harms bill going through at the moment, isn't there? So, um, yes, we are going to have to police it much more. And... I think that's inevitable. That the the problem has been that, you know, when it comes to broadcasting, we have very clear rules about 
broadcasting and uh, uh, some system of accountability there. And the social media companies have kind of got away by saying, well, we're not really broadcasters at all. And actually, they kind of are. But actually, beyond that, if you start trying to legislate them as broadcasters, you get into all sorts of problems as well. What they really are are mining companies. They digitally extract stuff from us Mm. and then put Mm. it out there and make a profit from it. And therefore, they should be legislated as if you're going to extract stuff from our population and then sell it back to us, then you need to have a kind of a, a digital mining license in the way that you would have, a, have to have a license for mining you know, a quarry or whatever. So we, we're, we're going to get to that realisation quite soon and they're not going to like it. But, you know, fuck them because they're hugely corrosive and they know, they know that they are mm. getting away with it. And have either of you were... made... Sorry, oh, go on. Carry on. No, you interrupt me. That's what happens on social media, isn't it? Like, I, I'm, half, I'm halfway through a point and then somebody goes, no, but hang on, what about me? So, yeah, well, you, you it. said, well, it was the point at which you said they know what they're doing is wrong. I just assumed you were going to say, and I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> and, and I'm fucking sick of it. We could just cut and paste that from earlier on. <laughs> Have either of you made the switch away from Twitter? It was it was all that everyone was moving to Mastodon. I remember that we discussed We Are Eight uh, in a mm. previous podcast as, as more sort of progressive uh, social media content providers. Yeah, kind of. Although, I mean, their, their whole model is on getting people to watch ads. And actually, yes. if you look at the updates you get from them, which, you know, I got some shares in them. All the updates are like, look how many people we've managed to, you know, get to engage with ads. And it's kind of mm. like, yes, you're not going to solve the problems of social media by by selling to people more efficiently. We need to be stopped. We need to not sell. Exactly. Stuff. It's just so, mining, as, as Mark said, it's mining our attention, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, that everything they do is about keeping you online and scrolling and ogling as long as possible, yeah. which is not fulfilling. In fact, it's constantly about keeping your appetite going. Indeed. I think we are, are, are much better than many others. I think they are still trying to solve the problem from within the model of what already exists rather than rethink the model. And they believe that the way you move advertisers' money around is the way you solve climate change. And, and I, think, I think a lot of people would have a problem with that. So we're gearing towards the end now. It's usually where I find something positive to end on. But sometimes it's nice to just embrace that everything feels a bit shit sometimes. So oh, I was just <laughs> broadly slagging people off. An email comes in from J&P Wallace, who came to see me in Buxton on my nitwit tour. Thank you for the shits and giggles. I'm trying to cut the shits out, to be honest, but um, you know, that's <laughs> the consequence of the vegan diet. Uh, there was one thing we saw after this. I have to say this email as well absolutely scared the shit out of me um the way you know when you're reading a sentence and you've got no idea where it's going to end um, I, I have a small thing to ask john that's already oh god here we go my husband and i came to see you at buxton oh christ um there was one thing we saw why, after why, the show why are christ for buxton was it a particularly oh, bad coming show? to see me live no no just oh. in general like you oh. know i'm all for people emailing me abuse that's sort of vague yeah. and non-specific on social media but there's nothing like I have come to see you live, and here is a specific complaint about your work. <laughs> and and, and what, do you have overwhelming memories of the Buxton gig? I do, because that's the one my mother was at, my mother yeah. and sister. So it was probably slightly shorter than the other shows because there would have been some jokes I did not tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So you do edit you do edit for family sensitivities. Oh, absolutely. Hall is about twenty seven minutes on each tour because I've got plenty of the looser materials. <laughs> it's a slightly shorter show tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> My wife is in. <laughs> well, it's not her. She she knows all about it, but it's it's her, her granddad often comes and her mum and her auntie and you know, people who will physically attack me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all just psychological in a marriage, isn't it? Um, there was one thing we saw after the show had concluded that we did take note of and which brought a downer to the evening. Oh, God. What have I done? uh, Yeah, I saw you getting into your helicopter after the gig. Um, We wondered if you'd seen this as well. Are you such a fun, relatable, and earnest advocate for environmental issues amongst other issues on the podcast in your daily life? Did it not depress the shit out of you to peep through the curtain after the show and see nothing but a... FK load of litter scattered and left on the floor by the audience. It did for both my husband and I on our way out of the venue. We took our rubbish with us like good boys and girls. We were aware that there are staff, mainly volunteers, there to pick it up at the end of the evening, but we're wondering if you could give folks a last prompt at close of play not to be complete and utter entitled shit and take their rubbish <laughs> with them. Dispose of it properly when they leave. Thanks for reading this email. Apologies for being those people. Fans and listeners, J and P. Wallace. Oh, John, is this the quality of your audience? These are my people. They leave their shit everywhere. You sort of can't win. You either you either admit that you've seen it and you didn't do anything about it, or you say, to be honest, the minute I say goodnight, the car engine starts and I'm out the fucking back door and I don't give a shit about what happens in the theatre the minute I finish. Um, yeah. So, no, I didn't see it, but it, it does bother me. You should see the mess left after a prog gig. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what the prog audiences that they're the sweetest kindest most attentive you know there's never any trouble at a prog gig everybody's very polite you know it's it's trouble it's at like a that. prog gig that sounds like a it novel ne- never happens literally never happens <laughs> it Everybody is nice goes, to get an email from someone who's been to your gig and it's signed j and p wallace that's yeah. a level of formality that i don't imagine you get <laughs> that, that sort of prog-like response yeah yeah it's a discerning audience <laughs> dear sir would you ever consider, like, you know, I mean, it's not exactly a big kind of finale, is it? But say, no, well, that's shit. the problem. Yeah, you can't, like, uh, and a last bit of eco hectoring at the end of the show. You can make a gag out of that, though, you know, in, a, in the show. Say, I've received this email, you know, don't be like Matlock, you cunts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> we switched from F bombs to C bombs. So that, that's probably a sign it's time to wrap it up, I think, for this week. If you happen to live in Scunthorpe and you know the uh, marketing campaign for that city, then I suggest Mark can probably help you if, you, if it needs a tweak. <laughs> Uh, we'll be back next week. So how's about this? Because this has been, uh, I tell you what, even though it's been broadly bleak in its content, we've laughed a lot. And that, I would say, is key to the question that comes in every week is how do you cope and is are things just getting worse? And we had a question this week, what's the alternative to democracy because everyone's an arsehole? <laughs> broadly, what I'd say you can do in the short term is, is continue to subscribe to this and other podcasts and at least feel part of a community of like-minded people because sometimes it feels like everyone is an arsehole. And then you've only got to chat to a couple of like-minded people like yourselves for an hour and it makes you feel better because at least you can laugh about the impending demise of everything. So we'll be back next week. And I'm going to make an effort to be, I'm only going to be positive next week. I'm going to talk about possible solutions. And and I I hate all that, but I, I, I'm going to make sure that next week's podcast is our most positive to date. 
Oh my god, it's going to be so unfunny. <laughs> it's going to be unbearable. I'm going to have to drink a lot. Yeah, you're going to be like a kind of daytime American TV presenter with sort of pearly white bleached teeth going. Absolutely. Hi, it's John with this week's positive news. Do you know what I'm writing now? I'm going to pin it to my notice board. I'm writing it is series four, episode five, so that I even start by getting the facts right. There we go. So that's going on my notice board. It's a slippery slope. There we go. So if you have any questions for next week that you want me to, if you want me to put a positive spin on anything, then uh, email those in. Keep in touch via social media. Here's how you can do it. You can reach us by email. Hello at johnandthefuturenauts.com. That's hello at john, J-O-N, and the futurenauts, all one word, dot com. We have our own show Twitter account, which is at J and the F. And of course, you can reach us individually on Twitter too. I am at Ron Richardson, John Richardson with the first letter swapped around. That's what I've done there. And you can reach Ed and Mark at the following. I'm Ed Gillespie at Frucool, which is at F-R-U-C-O-O-L. And I'm Mark Stevenson, and you can find me at Optimist on Tour. And let's hope for a better week, not just for the planet, but let's let's be slightly self-indulgent this week and say a better week for the health of our individual contributors and their families. Ed and Mark, thank you so much for your time in difficult circumstances. On behalf of the listeners, I know it makes them feel better. It makes me feel better too. Stay well, and we'll see you next week. Lots of love. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, John.